Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, handball out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Oh! Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh! kicked the goal from inside the centre. Welcome to the SC Playbook AFL podcast going into round six of the AFL season, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. My name is Eddie Dads. I'm going to be running you through all things Supercoach related tonight. We've got a heap to talk about as usual. There's match review panel drama, there's underperforming primos, there's rookies that need to be culled. Uh, We've got a stack of things to get through tonight. I'm very excited about it because my team is a mess, quite frankly, so I need all the help I can get. Um, helping me out tonight is uh, a couple of the legends in the Supercoach game. Uh, he's one of the most active Twitter presences out there. You've got to give him a follow if you don't already. He's the SC Bandit. Bandit, uh, what's news in your world? In, footy, in full swing for footy training leading up to round one? G'day, Eddie. G'day, Nico. Good to be back. Uh, footy kicked off in Melbourne over the weekend, which I was sadly oh. uh, absent for because I had a wedding to go to in, uh, in Sydney. It was probably a good weekend to miss given the... The miserable weather we had down here over the over the weekend, but uh, my club had three wins on the weekend. So our women's team, the twos, and the ones all all got up in the first game of the season. So uh, yeah, happy days. Fantastic, absolutely love it. Um, and the other member of the uh, the twenty four hundred brothers this week uh, joining me, the coach of Lovsky FC, is uh, Stevie Nico. As always, Nico, you're resplendent in your Newcastle kit. I think that is uh, how are you tracking this fine evening. I'm doing good, mate. A little, little spring in my step, and um, no, this is work kit, mate. So straight from work, straight into the uh, the kid routine, and then here I am to to talk super coach with you legends. Love it. Well, I just expected, because I'm such an obnoxious fan that I'm wearing a Bombers Jip Guernsey, I just expected the, the other two of you to be as obnoxious as me. Uh, what a win, Nico. Are you, are you nervous going into Anzac Day? The, the mighty Dons, they're up and about. I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, you guys are playing good footy, um, as are we, obviously. I think it's going to be a cracking game. Um, so I hopefully will be able to find somewhere in Vegas to watch it. Oh, of course. You're going to be in Vegas. Gee whiz. Interesting week to choose on Anzac week of all weeks, Nico. It's unbelievable. Um, what did you make of it? How was your heart rate going into those last sort of 30 seconds of the, the Collingwood St Kilda game? I was on KO DeLeo. So when I saw a message come through saying, how are the Saints only one goal behind? I was like, what? <laughs> and I had to like listen to the AFL app. Because, yeah, Kaya was just, it was um, it was killing me. I was, I was way behind. It was diabolical uh, this weekend, just by the way. Kaya, uh, not good. Um, seeing a lot of people having issues with it, um, m- myself included, and it just kept glitching the whole time. Yeah, um, but boy, what a what a finish. And, uh, I mean, Saints could have easily got a free kick at the end there and, and squared it up. So, yeah, I'm very, very glad we held on. Love those pictures of Ross the boss in the coach's box after the game, just smiling and sort of laughing. And I think he knew that it was uh, it was improbable as we all saw it um, as it was happening. Uh, Bandit, what do you make of the, the Hawks-GWS game? I was out at Norwood Oval on uh, Sunday afternoon, one of the four games I got to on, on Gather Round. So I was pretty happy about that. But yeah, what did you make of the Hawks' performance? Uh, they were plucky, I thought. Um, I didn't watch a whole heap of the game. I was uh, locked up with uh, with some uni study over the weekend. But uh yeah, I thought they were they were pretty good. I think this whole talk of tanking will sort of fade away now that they've had a couple of decent performances. Yes, they've had a couple of blowouts as well, but um, you know, I think everyone can see um, the effort that they're putting in is you know un- unquestionable. I think at this point, and um, yeah, they probably just lacked a bit of match awareness and polish towards the end there, and that was probably what what cost them. So I'm sure they'll be reviewing that this week, and they can um, yeah take that forward into into this week's game. What about the Harry Himmelberg mark? I mean, I think. I was talking to you guys on the, on the chat. I think that might be the best live mark I've seen. Um, he was yeah. so far up in the air. You could see it from all around the ground. It was at such a crucial part of the game. Um, it was quite remarkable, Nico. I mean, in terms of a mark at, at that stakes of the game, I've only really seen Brendan Goddard pull in one that was you know, at a similar important time of a game that was that good. A little bit probably more important than that one. Just um, slightly. <laughs> I, actually, I had the best view of that Goddard mark. I was level four, row A, right behind the goals, and it was just slow motion. It was, oh, it was poetic. That, I'll, I'll never forget that. Yeah, it was incredible. We've got no chance from here. But, yeah, Himmelberg, he's, he's taken he's taken a couple of nice grabs this season, hasn't he? He's probably got his, his hands on the on the prize already. 
and saved the game on the goal line too. It was it was it was incredible. He was so good, just put the team on his back. Um, enough talk about real footy boys. Uh, I want to find out how your super coach teams performed. Uh, I'm not even really going to bother talking about mine because uh, all I want to do is hear about you two. Um, for the record, I got 2,232. Uh, just really awful. Um, so painful seeing all the the big scores going around and just knowing that yeah, my stupid team was uh, was not even close to it. But that's enough about mine. It's depressing me already. Nico, run me through your weekend. What went right? What went wrong? What did you, what score did you get? And how are you feeling? about it i'm feeling quite um positive so i've had my first rank rise for the season which is very very nice so i scored a 2414 which was in the top one percent 778th ranked for the round and it's actually propelled me up 25,215 spots so i'm now inside the 20,000, which is which is nice as well um obviously quite a lot went right but Geez, maybe if I held on to Lockie Neal, I, I might have had 2K in the... In the I wasn't going to bring it up, Nico, but yeah, that one that one might come back to haunt you, I think. <laughs> Possibly, but yeah, look, a lot went right. Um, Stewart, Dawson, uh, Dacos, obviously, led back to his best bond. I mean, they all they all performed. Darcy, Marshall, crazy. Dunks. There were just some, just some massive scores floating around because I think a lot of the guys that went big, um, unlike some other weeks this year, like the guys that went big were, were guys that were in a lot of teams. So um, if, you, if you rode those guys, uh, you did really well. Speaking of going really well, Bandit, um, yeah, what happened with yours? Another monster score. Yeah, not quite as good as Nico, but I scored uh, 2,400 on the button. So that was um, a pretty pretty positive week for me. I think that was about ranked 1,400 overall for, for the week. So that was pretty good. That shot me up. Uh, about 15,000 spots in the ranking, so up to 9,788th uh, overall. Great spot. Um, so, yeah, rankings are, are taking a, a positive turn, so hopefully that can continue. I think. I- um, sorry, it just shows you how close the competition is. There was only yeah. 14 points difference between Bandit and myself, and he's doubled my rank for the round. Like, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's going to be exactly my point, Nico. And and a point that we often say on this podcast is uh, I think we're all preachers of not, not panicking with your team and, and not worrying too much about these early season games because, yeah, you, your ranking can really skyrocket in a, in a second as it has done for you guys. I'm languishing around the, the 19,000 mark and, yeah, I don't think it's going to get any better this week, unfortunately. I'm going to have to hold Will Day for another week. Um, we've obviously got Tom Green missing with injury, uh, missing with suspension, which we'll get to later. So, uh, yeah, dire times over at uh, Explosive Dure, uh, my fine team. Uh, new segment this week, this year, boys. Uh, we're doing the SC Playbook Most Valuable and Least Valuable Player of the Week Awards. Um, I'm, we're giving out three, two, and one votes for the players that we think were most and least valuable for the for the week just gone. Criteria is broad. You can go with whatever players you want. They can be in your team. They cannot be in your team. Um, I'll start us off with the most valuable players of the week that got my votes. Uh, one vote goes to Jacob Hopper, um, who's been sort of in and out the most and least for me the last uh, few weeks, but I was really pleased by his performance. And he's going—he's clearly an important player for Richmond. He's going to keep churning out sort of scores around this mark. He's at least going to have the potential to score them. Two votes uh, for me go to Rory Laird. Uh, been a great bounce back from a guy that we were hoping was better than his early season form, and it turns out he absolutely absolutely is. And then Jordan Dawson gets the three votes for me. I, I was there on Thursday night. Um, it was kind of alarming how much better than Patrick Cripps and every other midfielder on the ground Dawson was, a guy that we wouldn't necessarily think of as, as a midfielder. He's obviously now got DPP as a mid, but he was just uh, he was just amazing. Um, I haven't seen many better performances than that just from a just controlling the game standpoint. So he gets the three. Uh, Bandit, where have you gone with your most valuable player votes this week? Yeah, so I gave one to Marcus Bontempelli for his 145 against uh, Port Adelaide on, on Saturday night in the wet. Um, he had an enormous first half um, and then Port actually realised that he could probably take the game away from uh, them single-handedly, so they put William Drew, uh, William Drew to him in the second half, and that definitely quelled his influence somewhat. But uh, yeah, didn't manage to slow down his coach scoring, and he was um, a very good um, performer on on that night. Uh, gave two to to Lockie Neal, um, highest scorer for the round with one seventy six against North. Um, pretty much did as he pleased on on Saturday Arvo, and he looked um, back to his best. So owners will be hoping for uh, some more scores like that. Uh, the funny thing about the Neil 170 was it could have been higher. Yeah. Um, he was handballing a lot and was just dominating every every single part of the game. So it really could have been an enormous score. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he blew blew the kangaroos off the park in the midfield who didn't really have an answer for him uh, in that in that particular area. Uh, and the three I also gave to, to Dawson as well. Um, he's now the top-ranked uh, midfielder after getting DPP on the weekend. So that's wow. a handy little uh, little addition there. Um, and nearly 18,000 teams brought him in last week. Um, so they would have been very, very happy with uh, with his performance. 
I'll put my hand up. I've got massive egg on my face, uh, given how I was slagging off him as a captaincy choice earlier in the season when I couldn't work out why the Crows had given him the captaincy. Well, I'm pretty aware now, Nico. <laughs> I mean, couldn't be doing much more. No, he's yeah, he's unreal. Hard to believe um, the Swans only I, gave up a first round pick for him as well, and, and it wasn't a high first round pick. Yeah. I think it was a pick in the late teens or something. That was- it was like a, it was pick seventeen, I think. Um, and it was kind of obvious. It was kind of obvious at the time if you sort of followed footy that he was going to be good. But um, I don't think the wider footy public had gotten around it yet, so his asking price was lower than it should have been. But yeah, what a steal for the Crows, uh, Nico. Where'd you go with your most valuable player votes? Surely the Swans knew what they had. But anyway, uh, I went one with Sean Darcy um, with his one thirty six. Reason being. I thought I mucked up by not putting the VC on, on Rory Laird uh, or Dawson, and um, I ended up getting a couple of extra points um, out of that because uh, I probably would have gone Laird. Uh, two to Lockie Neal, as we've spoken about. I've got him in draft, so that got me the win, which I was wrapped with, and uh, three for Jordan Dawson as well. Yeah, love it. Wow. One of our few nine pointers, nine voters to start the season. In fact, that's our first nine vote um, game for the season, which is uh, pretty incredible. Also, Marcus Pontepelli is that's his first vote for the year um, from our Most Valuable Player Awards, which I think oh. is interesting. Okay, we're, we're underappreciating him, I think. Oh, there was just too many people this week. Like, how can you fit them into three votes? Like, it was, like Nick Dacos and Tim English, they're probably yep. almost perma-captains at the moment mm. in, in the game. And Don't worry, Nico, I, we'll talk about Nick Dacos <laughs> again later. All right, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, in terms of least valuable players, for the league, this was a lot easier for me. I had a very clear top three here. One vote goes to Tom Green. Um, firstly, because I thought he was going to destroy um, the, that, that remnants of the Hawthorne midfield on Sunday and he didn't quite didn't even crack the ton. And secondly, because he's got a week off, which is extremely annoying. Two votes go to Jai Menzi for his 19 on my field. Uh, he'd shown a lot of promise in the last few weeks and I was sort of hoping that would continue. It did not. Uh, Luke Pedler was sitting there with a 60 right on the pine and couldn't get him on. Uh, and then my three votes for my least valuable player of the week is uh, Mason Redmond, who, um, yeah, that feels like a massive, uh, well, it doesn't feel like a massive loss because it's only one week, but trading Jordan Ridley to Mason Redmond last week uh, didn't make me feel great, Nico. Yeah, yeah, there's still a bit of water to flow under the bridge with that one, so. There is, there is, but uh, 72 isn't really going to cut it, especially when Rids was on top of him all day and ended up 25 points in front, so that one hurt. Uh, Bandit, what about your least valuable player of the week, Bodes? Yeah, so I gave uh, one to, to Cam McKenzie. Um, he's a bit stiff because he was the sub, so I know he probably doesn't have a lot of input into into that. But, um, yeah, a score of 14 has basically killed his cash generation. His break even's up to yeah. 89 now, so he won't be making any cash uh, for the short term. So he probably looks like a trade-out uh, this week, which we'll get to later. Um, two votes uh, went to Andrew Brayshaw. I think I potted him when I was last <laughs> on the podcast, but I'm just not sure where he's at, to be honest. He's averaging 90 now through... Through five games, he's bled 75K from his starting price. Um, yeah, just not really sure where he's at, to be honest. Looks like Sarong's um, the big banana in that in that Freo midfield now. So uh, that's definitely hurting uh, Brayshaw's scoring. Uh, and then my three went to Mitch Duncan um, for his 34 mm. against, against West Coast. Um, I thought he was going to have to buy a ticket back in Adelaide Oval at one point. He was that far away from the footy. So <laughs> the 5,000 teams that... Uh, traded him in would have been very disappointed with uh, with what they saw on on Sunday, Harvey. Yeah, that was a classic. I think we even mentioned it in our WhatsApp chat with uh, with the SC Playbook community that we, we just needed to wait a week on that Duncan thing because I don't, you know, he pumped out 114 the week before. But yeah, this was always on the cards uh, coming. Uh, it, it would not feel good at all if you had him in your team. I don't. I think that might almost be. You're gonna have to think about trading him out in a couple of weeks. Uh, Nico, what about your least valuable players of the week? I went one to Elliot Yo just because kind of expected a bit more from him and now he's got injured again so yeah he only had a 44 uh, from pretty much half the game Jai Menzi I've got in for two votes um already discussed him he had 73 percent time on grand fees 19 which is pretty pathetic yeah and three to Mitch Duncan for his 34 and for the people who got sucked in to bringing him in early um yeah, and he didn't kill Stuart either, so that was nice. He did not kill Stuart, which is what we've been talking about a few times. The char- the classic Charlieism of worrying about Duncan v. Stuart. Uh, it's, uh, it's brilliant. Uh, now, guys, you've been listening to me talk a lot about home loans over the last 12 months on the show, and most people are probably thinking they're way off being in that position and that it's irrelevant to them. But the boys at Mortgage Choice SCW, you can get you a loan for pretty much anything. doesn't have to be a house. So if Santa brushed you for a PS5 this year, or maybe the toolbox needs an upgrade and your boss is too stingy to chip in, Patty and George can make the dream a reality. And the best part, no more sacrificing your avocados for two-minute noodles because the usual $129 fee is waived when you mention SC Playbook. These loans are quick and easy with the money dropping in your pocket within days. 
So after a few years of COVID causing us grief, treat yourself in 2023 and shoot Pat and George a message on their Instagram handle at Pat and George Mortgage Choice to get it sorted. You can also jump into any of the articles on the SC Playbook website for their email, phone contact, or even a QR code if that's easier for you to get in touch with them. Boys, uh, we've got five big questions, five big topics to get through this evening. So I want to start us off with the latest on the Tom Green news. So, Nico, we've seen come through on Twitter in the last couple of hours. We're recording this on Monday night. We've seen in the last couple of hours that the match review panel has handed down a one-week suspension to Tom Green, which, frankly, I think is pretty lucky. Uh, I was sort of preparing myself for a two-weeker. Uh, so one week feels like a bit of a um, yeah, a bit of a slap on the wrist. It was not a good action. I didn't, didn't like seeing that um, at the ground. It was sort of obvious that it was a bad tackle. So given it's one week... How are you going to be going to be approaching the Tom Green situation? I'm guessing it's going to be a hold, uh, but how are you feeling about that? Yeah, I'm definitely going to hold him. Um, I think he's just too good a player to to be sidewaysing, uh, especially you know with, with the weather turning and and you know the, having a bit more wet weather footy. I think he's going to excel in that sort of regard uh, in the next coming months. So pretty happy to hold him uh, as the main guy uh, at GWS and. Hopefully, uh, with Baker or someone like that playing earlier, we might be able to get a, a free look at a score before we um, before we make another decision. Bandit, the, the potential upgrade or, or crossways option that we've been talking about um, in our chat is Took Miller. Um, if it was two weeks, I suspect a lot of people would have gone Tom Green to Took Miller. If it's only one week, is there is there that big of a difference between one and two weeks that you would have been certain about trading him out at two weeks versus holding him at one? Is there some merit to this Took Miller chat? There probably is, but it probably depends on what you think of Tom Green and his um, scoring capacity going forward. If you think he's going to still be that sort of around about top eight averaging midfielder, then you can probably hang on to him. Um, it's probably line ball for me at this stage. Like He's had that big score in round one and he hasn't really sort of set the world on fire since like he hasn't been terrible by any means but there's just been a couple of times there where he's been on sort of 70 or 80 points midway through the third quarter and looking like he's going to absolutely rip a game apart and he hasn't quite gone on with it so um i can see a definite argument for one way or the other um it's probably very much team dependent in terms of how many trades you've used already um what the rest of your team's looking like um so yeah from from my point of view even if he was going to get two weeks I'd, I'd probably hold him to be honest i think he's um he's definitely shown enough to be an m8 keeper at worst um but you know if you've if you've got more than 30 trades in the bank still then you know why not pull the trigger there was a, a tongue in tweet a tongue in cheek tweet that i saw earlier from uh, from warney over at dt talk who said picking players who tackled a lot was previously a good thing in uh, in fantasy and supercoach and i think there's something to it nico i mean yeah, at what point are we going to need to start sort of factoring in that these sort of suspensions are going to be coming thick and fast by the th- by the sound of things yeah look it's an interesting it's an interesting topic topic that you've raised mate because um at what point do you then sacrifice you know your your upgrade cycle to then think about you know maybe getting a cheaper person so you've got exactly. really good bench cover and that kind of thing so i think for me i'd still prioritize getting my team to to full premium uh and then if you can then factor in some good bench cover after that that's got a nice swing between mid and forward or mid and back or whatever it might be i think that's probably the way to go I think we're just going to need to get to a point where we're almost aiming to have, you know, six to seven to eight primos on each line um, and ideally some serious flexibility on those with DPP options where, you know, for this week, let's say further down the line, can you just swing like an Errol Goulden up to M6 and he can take Tom Green's spot and you can have, I don't know, Harry Sheasel coming off the bench at, at F6 for you. Um, is that a, is that a, <laughs> Nico shaking his head at me, he might be F1 at that by that point. Yeah, we'll yeah. Um, <laughs> But Ben, does, does the idea have legs? Is, should we should we should we seriously be looking at you know bolstering out the depth of our team rather than this sort of race to the top in terms of getting the, the top primos as early as you can? It's um, a good question. I probably I think reality is you can't really go up the rankings without the top guys, so they're probably the ones that you need to try and pick off first if you can. Um, but a good example this week, you know, talking about guys who are sort of reached their their bottom price, like Stephen Canelio is a, a good example of someone you can pick off for, you know, not much more than 200k, um, you know, in terms of getting cash in the bank. Um, if you go Jinbi to Canelio, that's what, it's about 180k this week, I think. Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely a case to be made for just picking around the edges and just being very selective. But at the same time, if you haven't got like a Jordan Dawson or a Tim English or a Clayton Oliver, 
chances are your ranking eventually will take a hit because all the teams that um, that do have those guys will just blow past you. It, it might be that you just hold on to someone like Sheasel for the whole year and mm-hmm. then maybe you know swing him to, to D7 or, or whatever and have him there as a loot player or something like that. Um, it happened last season with Nick Dacos. The guys who held on to him had really good bench cover or, or D6 kind of uh, a player that they just started with. So, yeah, I, I think... Maybe or like or it might be a Philippou or something. You just you know you just hold for the season just because he's got that DPP and he's getting that sort of 60, 70 points, uh, and and he's going to come in off your pine every now and then. Yeah, indeed. I, I've sort of the reason I sort of wanted to talk about this boys because I, I kind of have this dilemma at the moment with this this week in my team. So my option is kind of is either to kind of bring in a Jack Zebel type um, in the forward line and sort of bolster out my forward line. Or wait a week, give the guys a bit more time to generate some cash and then try and go up to an Oliver the week after. So it's sort of, am I choosing between upgrading to Oliver in a priority or Zebel as a priority? Uh, with the sort, you know, you can swing Zebel forward and back. He can cover injuries on both lines. Um, he he can, could be a really, really handy addition, Nico. You, you, you're sort of looking thoughtfully at me. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind it. Um, I think it's important to still try and chase a bit of value at this time of year. I don't think Clayton Oliver is going to budge from that 700k price mark at least probably for the next month um, until he has a, a bad game or if he strings a, a 200 and a 150 together or something like that. So I think he'll hover around that price and you just sort of get him when you can and just pray yeah. pray that it doesn't kill you um, while you're waiting. It's absolutely killing me at the moment. I was so happy that that first half against the Bombers and he was looking terrible oh. and then had 30 touches in the second half. It's just it 20 in the last quarter alone. Unbelievable. I mean, Setterfield did a great job, in him, job on him in the first half, to be fair. Um, might put a pin in that one, boys, because we can come back to it later in the pod when we discuss potential trade options. But the second big topic that I wanted to get to tonight was uh, the official release of the dual position additions. Um so we, we sort of spoke about a few of these last week. So not going to not going to reinvent the wheel there. I think we mostly knew who was going to get DPP status and potentially who wasn't. But Bandit, I, I was kind of intrigued by a few of the guys that didn't get DPP that were pretty close. Um, anyone that caught your eye from that list of the guys that were sort of on that twenty five to thirty percent range in terms of nearly hitting the eligibility criteria? Yeah, Christian Petrarca was the one, wasn't he? I think he ended the round with what was it thirty four point eight percent forward time or something and that was because he had a um, 80% um, mid-time in, in the game against Essendon on the weekend so geez that would have been a huge addition to, to the mm. coach game if Petrarca was available as a forward I don't think he's been available as a forward for, for quite some time if, if ever so um, yeah to have a guy who would effectively have been a guaranteed you know top three forward come, become available at round six that would have been a a huge plus for us. Um, but some of the other guys who did get DPPs that caught my eye, um, Zebel and Sheasel were the obvious ones, but even some of the rookies that we actually started with um, actually picked up another position as well. So Cam McKenzie's a mid-forward now, mm. Phillips is a mid-forward, and, and so is um, Matt Roberts, who played his first full game on the weekend for the Swans. Uh, and Darcy Wilmot's a um, defender mid now as well, which is uh, handy for our flexibility. It's actually been such a handy little um, period, these DPPs, because, yeah, I think that rather than the guys that, that we didn't expect to get it, that did get it, I think it was more about the guys we already had sort of consolidating their, their places in our team and their flexibility. And Cam McKenzie was one that stood out to me, Nico. I think he's got a break even of in the 80s, which on paper suggests he's a trade-out. But I think this little forward addition just stays his ex- execution in my team for a little bit. Just that ex- added extra little bit of flexibility, I kind of like it. Yeah, he, he'd have to get somewhere near that um, and reset his break-even um, for you. Um, I mean, that, that 14 or whatever it is that he got on the weekend is going to be in there for a couple of weeks and Will Day is going to come back in as well. So, yeah, a bit to think about there. Um, the one that caught my eye that was a bit of a surprise was Will Phillips. I didn't expect him to get forward eligibility. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm kind of intrigued with that and maybe I can get Van Royen off my, you know, forward line at F6 and swing him down there or, or do something. And I thought Baker must have been pretty close to getting forward eligibility as well, but maybe he spent too much time in the wing. and that Yeah, he's spent a lot on the wing. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting call um, you just mentioned. Um, who, are we, who are we talking about just then? I've forgotten. Oh, Phillips. Oh, Phillips, yeah. yeah. I saw um, he, according to one of the, the ranking systems, I don't know, one of the champion data ranking, he was the highest ranked player on the ground uh, in that North Brisbane game. So he's, he's been really impressive. He's kind of shown what we what we were expecting out of him as that top three pick. So you must be happy to have held on to him. Yeah, yeah. 70 average and um, what he's got a couple of sub-scores in there as well. So, or a sub-score maybe in there as well. So, yeah, I think he's, he's doing 
very well and easily fieldable. He really fits that 29 Guernsey at the Kangaroos, that small midfielder <laughs> running around looking like Brent Harvey. Uh, it's good to oh, see. Poor guy broke his leg on the weekend too. And I heard about that. Yeah, He's yeah. apparently still a gun at the age of whatever he is, 42 or 43. Yeah. He's still an absolute jet. Yeah, and not, not uh, surprised by that. Just uh, one more on the on the DPP discussion was um, the other one who caught my eye just as a potential um, upgrade option going forward was was Bailey Smith now as a as a forward as well. Um, hasn't set the world on fire to start with, and he's obviously injured at the moment, so he's probably more of a player that we can potentially target around the buys. But um, yeah, from from my end, nothing nothing else really stood out from a, a DPP point of view. I was curious um, as to how Caleb Daniel got forward status. Yes, also curious about that. I have not seen him play forward at all. No, I'm intrigued by that. Um, I, I don't. I, I just don't have a complete faith in some of these. In some of these issues, <laughs> I have to say, like I, like that one, Nico. I just I couldn't get um, the Jai Caldwell one. I, I haven't seen much of Jai Caldwell on the forward line. I don't know how he's added forward. Um, yeah, a few in- little interesting ones there. Um, but we'll move on from that topic because I think, yeah, we've probably covered off on most of the big points there. The next one I want to get to, boys, was we've kind of touched on it already, but the, the idea of when to cull the rookies that you've got on your field or on your bench. Um, and we've got what looks like to be a bunch of rookies that we started with uh, reaching sort of the top of their price ranges. So the list I've, gi- the list I've given you guys is Jinbi with a break-even of 81 Cowan with a break-even of 22. McKenzie, as we mentioned, with a break-even of 89. Baker with a break-even of 46. Chandler with a break-even of 47. And Menzi with a break-even of 39. So all of those, go- all of those guys are kind of on paper, I would say, 50-50 chances of actually hitting those, those, those scores for the most part, which yeah, generally means that it's about time to move them on. So, Nico, what is your thought process when it comes to deciding which of these rookies to go for? Because there's yet yeah, six options that I assume um, most of us, most teams have. They're all reaching that point where you can nearly get rid of them. And how do you decide which one goes first? Um, yeah, look, I've only got three, um, but the way I would do it would be looking at the average versus the break-even. I think that's just the most simple way to look at it. Um, you get an idea of, of how likely they are to hit their break-even, um, and you don't want to be losing money on, on these guys. The idea of the game is to trade them when they're at their highest value and, and bring someone else in who, who's dropped a little bit and, and is in you know heading the other direction in, in price. So, yeah, uh, but I also am happy to cull a little bit early if it's going to get me a player I really want. Um, so just say, you know, there's this 300k in Gimby, um, quite happy for people to go on him. Bandit, how do you go about prioritizing? So I think there's probably, when I, I think my thought process would be a lot based on who there is to cull to. So if there's a really good option in the forward line, that means I'm more likely to, to cull a Chandler or a Menzi. But how do you sort of weigh the the need to cull certain rookies versus the fact that there might not be a player to downgrade to that you think is, is, is capable of staying in the team long-term? Yeah, it's a good question. I think this is where I think Supercoach has done really well by adding in these additional DPPs throughout the year because it keeps the game fresh. It gives you more options to, to change your team around a bit more throughout the season, whereas in previous years where the positions were set in stone, you were kind of stuck. So like Jinby, for example, with a really high break-even this week, we haven't really got another defensive rookie coming through at the moment. So you would kind of be stuck with him for a couple of weeks. And he may not even play this week, to be honest. Like, he's probably the one that's mm-hmm. on the chopping block the most for me. Um, copped a poke in the eye and a boot in the face from Dangerfield early in the game and then um, had a bit of a knock on his ankle, I think, which um, which saw him get subbed out of the game. So I think he's probably headed for a, a spell this week. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think um, you know, utilising your DPP swings will be really handy. So you can trade Jinby out and swing Sheasel back or Zeebel back this week. Um, and that allows you to bring in a forward, or if you've got a, a mid-forward on your midfield bench as well, you can then swing them forward and then trade in a midfielder. So um, I think the DPP additions have added some real flexibility in that sense. Um, and so we're, we're a lot more flexible with what we can actually do in terms of trading, which I think is a real positive. I think um, Simpson came out and said that he's actually good to go, I think. So he might not be out this week. So just watch and see, obviously, the teams. He's made his 125K, which isn't the 150, but it's probably close enough. And um, um, yeah. I see. I, I lean the opposite way with Jinbi. I think of these rookies, he would potentially be my last culled. Um, I think he's shown that he's in West Coast best twenty-two. Um, I think he's shown that he can score. He's got eighty-five, seventy-six, and one hundred and four. Um, are three of his five scores in the AFL. Um, I know his break-even's high, and that theoretically he's probably going to drop a bit of cash this week. It's at eighty-one. 
but I actually don't think he's that much of a chance of not reaching it, Nico. I think he, I think he's a good chance of reaching eighty-one, given what we've seen, and, and assuming that he plays. Um, so I, I sort of lean the other way, and I, I almost like to cull the rooks based on yeah their job security going forward. Like, a, is Baker going to be in the Bulldogs team long term? Like, I don't really think so. Like, I'm not sure he's been that good. Um, yeah, but like, how are you so confident? He's he's had a forty and a fifty-one where he's been subbed out. I'm not saying I'm so confident. I'm just saying I'm more confident on him than the other rooks. And I mean, frankly, I've got I'm I'm, I'm clutching at straws in my defence at the moment, Nico. I've got Lockie Cowan and Darcy Wilmot Wilmot rotating at D six at the moment. So I'm not I'm not going to exactly go on great down there. Yeah, McKenna and Wilmot are two that I've seen some people trading. I'd probably hold off on them. They're they're still a little bit too early, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree on both of those. Um, I think a Menzi type as well, Bandit. Is there anyone I've missed out of the rookies that that you think I might need to go? No, I don't think so. I think they're probably the main ones for, for this week. Cam McKenzie's probably the most um, logical trade-out. The other strategy you can probably carry into trading rookies is just always, you know, if, if you're on if you're on the fence, it doesn't hurt to give them one more week um, because what they can do is they can come out and score really well and then their price cycle resets. So someone like a Jim Beer or McKenzie might come out this week and potentially score a 90 or 100 and then all of a sudden they're, they're back making cash again for another three or four weeks, which people are missing out on, but you've still got them in your team, so you can hang on to them and, and ride them out potentially until the buys. So um, that's another strategy to think about as well. Was that Dangerfield kick, that Kung Fu kick, was that on Jimby? Yeah. Yeah. How many weeks would Toby Green have got for that? Oh, he'd be suspended for life at this point, Nico. <laughs> um, yeah, incredible. Uh, just just another rookie that probably needs to go is, I've got him, Caminiti, in, in mm, the forward line. Yeah. He's probably going to get four weeks uh, at the tribunal. Yeah. Um, unless they successfully challenge and get it down a little bit, but yeah. I'd be no, surprised. He's, he's definitely um, getting rubbed out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, good good call, Nick. I didn't include him in the original list. Um, I guess the continuation of uh, this rookie discussion is the downgrade option side of things. So as I mentioned, you know, part, a big part of my decision-making is, you know, who is actually sitting there waiting that can come in and, and like we talk about Nico every year, make that 150K um, that we want to be, we want to get out of someone in the trade. Um, so we're actually got a few boys on the bubble this week, which uh, I think it's kind of snuck up on us because I, I wasn't really aware that we were going to have this many on the bubble. But we've got Dylan Williams from Port, whose break even is at negative 43. He's averaging 58. We've got Ned Moyle, uh, the Gold Coast Suns Ruckman, who's averaging 50, got a break even of 20, minus 27. Luke Edwards, break even of minus 22, average of 67. Matty Roberts from Sydney Swans, who has a break even of minus 22, played his first three games as the starting sub and was actually really good in his first full game against the Tigers. And Matthew Johnson from Frio, averaging 35, break even of minus one and played the first two games as starting sub. So, Nico, right off the bat, do any of those guys stand out to you as, as must-haves? Is there some that you want more than others? I'd say there's some I want more than others. I wouldn't call any of them must-haves. Matty Roberts, you mentioned, has played three games as a sub and scored obviously poorly because of that. But then he's come out on the weekend and scored somewhere in the 90s, I believe, if my memory is good, and went at 92% disposal efficiency. So if he's named in the best 22, I think you'd probably go there as the number one option. And then outside of that, it might be Matthew Johnson behind him as, as another option and not entirely sold on, on Dylan Williams at Port. They seem to no. they seem to recycle these players quite quite regularly and he's that old saying of one bad game and you're out probably applies again there. I'm kind of looking at a double downgrade um, in desperate need of some cash, need to fix up a few areas. I, I'm kind of going to have to take two of these guys, I think, um, if, if my plans are going to work out. So I th- the two I've gone for at the moment are Matty Roberts and Dylan Williams. Uh, as you mentioned, Nico, I'm also very much not sold on Williams. Uh, he has looked good. He's, he's, he's as listed as a forward in Supercoach, but he's been playing as kind of a small defender. I do like that. That's, I've got a bit of a fetish for that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Who else meets, meets that criteria, Nico? I just in the past, like Zeebles, you know, he's done it before. He's doing it again this year. She's all like these kind of players. They yeah. tend to do well. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't mind it. I think he his job security is his uh, is his issue. Um, but as I said to you guys in the chat today, Port have won both games when he's been in the side. So I mean, obviously, it doesn't mean everything, but I, I do think it signifies something. Like at least he's he's not bringing any negatives to their to their structure from a winning perspective. So uh, I'm interested in him, um, Bennett. Would those be the two the two sort of obvious choices from that lot? Yeah, Roberts and Johnson are probably the are probably the two that need to be in the best twenty two this week for me to to just pull the trigger on those on those trades. Um, Luke Edwards doesn't look like a bad option, but that elevated price is is a bit of a killer to be honest. But his job security probably yeah. looks the best of the of those guys that we mentioned to be honest. The West Coast are decimated 
again this year with injury. So, um, yeah, he's probably the, the best one in terms of job security. But, yeah, I don't really love any of them, to be honest, and playing any of them on field would be a risk, I think. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, Matty Roberts I saw in person on Friday night and, and was impressed. So he, he passed the eye test, um, whether or not he can continue getting sort of games at Sydney. I mean, they're obviously hit by injuries at the moment. There's going to be a bit of a restructuring when those injuries do come back in. So yeah, not sure on any of those guys. But it, on the other hand, on the other side of the coin, we've also got a few first gamers who played over the weekend. So they might not be options this week or they might be in desperate need of cash, but they, they'll, they'll be on the bubble next week. And the guys I've got listed, uh, a couple of your Hawks boys, Bandit, Seamus Mitchell, who got a 67 and Ned Long, the 67 as well. Corey Wagner with a 39 um, in his debut for Frio. Will Gould finally got the uh, the super coach debut. He was he got a 39, started as a sub, he's playing as a key defender. He exists. He, he actually exists. He's a real person. And he kind of looks, I've sort of seen, he looked chubby when he first came in the AFL, but he looks kind of slim and tall. And uh, yeah, I was impressed by him, but I don't think his super coach role is particularly friendly. Sam five St- years for a 39. It's not really great, is it? No, it's not ideal. Uh, Sam Sturt with a 37 and Corey Warner with a 37 were the other three. Corey Warner, uh, a pretty popular preseason pick for a lot of the journey. Nico, any of those guys uh, took your fancy over the weekend? Yeah, I like the look of Mitchell. He had 17 touches and nine of them were contested he just needs to clean up his disposal a little bit he went at 58 percent in that regard so if he can clean that up then he's probably looking at sort of 80 80 points around there i kind of think so yeah he, he looks pretty good ned long elevated price again probably probably shy away from that and um guys like wagner you, you just you just have to watch again sturt kind of looked a bit overawed by the occasion and might get dropped so yeah, keep an eye on the teams and, and definitely don't go early on any of these guys, in my opinion. No, I agree. Um, talk to me about the two Hawks boys, uh, Bannon. Are Mitchell and Long going to be in the team sort of longer term or was this like a, just one of those sort of rotating things with Will Day out and they need more midfielders? What's it going to look like? Yeah, I think Will Day coming back will definitely force one of them out. Um, Chad Wingard obviously um, hurt his tongue on the weekend, I think. He had surgery on that today, they said. He lacerated his tongue or something like that. Very, mm, very unusual. Um, so, What's the time frame? Do they give a time frame on that? Uh, really I don't think they have. Injury. It might have just been some some cosmetic surgery, maybe just to sort of stitch it up. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, there's obviously probably going to be a question mark on on his availability for this week as well. So wear, wear a mouth guard, kids, please. Yes, exactly. Wear, wear a mouth guard, kids. But um, yeah, Seamus Mitchell looked good. His low time on ground was a bit of a worry for me. I think he had the lowest time on ground of any Hawthorne player to play the full game. So um, that's obviously what they do with the debutants. They sort of ease him, ease him into it at AFL level, but. Um, that was a bit of a, a bit of a knock out on him. Um, and yeah, the other four guys we mentioned, Wagner, Gould, Sturt and Warner, just a combination of job security and, and scoring capacity is probably enough to, to steer me clear of them for, for the time being, and pr- unless they score really well this week. But I, I can't really see any, any of them putting up a, a score that would um, demand selection. I got to say, I didn't didn't mind the look of Corey Warner, the Chad's younger brother. Um, I think he's got a little bit of spunk to him. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be an option this year, uh, but I think like Chad, he might be a bit of a slow burn, and, and we'll be talking about him in a couple of years. Uh, I don't uh, mind him. Nick, are you shaking your head? Yeah, I don't know. He kicked the goal. He only got 37. Yeah, uh, he's probably the, he's probably the first one out of the Swans team, I think, and for that reason, that probably enhances Matty Roberts um, as a prospect because he yeah. won't be the first. True. He probably won't be the first player out of the team. 57% time on ground two would be a bit of a worry. Indeed. Um, now, on the back of all these downgrades, boys, I'm hoping to have a bit of cash this week. So I wanted to get your thoughts on potential upgrade options, which is our fifth big topic for the week. So I've asked you both to come prepared with three upgrade options from each position. I think we're going to sack the ruck off as usual because there's only a couple of decent options there. But I want the three options that I wanted to you guys to give me was sort of the obvious upgrade. So the guy that you know you just need to have on your line that you perhaps don't have in your team currently got the low ownership upgrade so i'm looking at sub 15 percent ownership here so maybe not a guy that's top of people's lists but you know could potentially finish as a top five player in their position and then i want i want to go rogue nico i'm looking to climb the rankings um, i'm desperate for some sort of spice in my team so i want the last one i want is a left field sub five percent ownership upgrade and um yeah i just want to say i want to see some weird names thrown at me in that one so i want to start off with you bandit where have you gone um for your obvious upgrade in defense yeah, I think there's only really one obvious upgrade, and that's that's Jordan Dawson for me. Um, you know, if you if you can still get to him, I mean, he's very expensive now, but his break even's 54, so this is really the last chance you'll get to to get him for probably less than 680k for for quite some time, I think. So, um, yeah, if you if you've got the funds in the bank to still go to Dawson, um, I probably would, to be honest. 
he's looking like one of the safest super coach scoring bets in the league at the moment. His role is amazing. Uh, he's a great player. So I wholeheartedly endorse that message. I finally brought him into my team last week. And yeah, it would have been so painful to have to watch that performance as a non-owner. So well done to your bandit. It's 2,400 with no Dawson. Uh, impressive on the weekend. No, I would just I'm say, cool. Nico, what about... Oh, you did have Dawson. Oh, sorry. Since day one. Oh, my apologies. Oh, you're, you've been a firm believer from the start. Um, Nico, what about, what about you with your obvious upgrade? Yeah, so look, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two names here because um, I think they're pretty much on a par. So Clayton Oliver, I need in my team. Uh, I need someone who can get the ball 20 times in a quarter in my team. Someone who's averaging 128. Um, the other one is Tuke Miller. I want to get him in, especially for the buys. We've spoken about that uh, on numerous occasions now, Eddie. You and yep. I are big on that, uh, and I'm big on Tuke. Um, so those are the two obvious upgrade targets for me. If you, who's the guy that you're looking at in defense, Nico, that you don't have in your team currently that, that you're going to prioritize? Uh, I know you brought in Stewart the other week. Um, is it a Sicily type? Is it a is it a, um, a Saad type? What are we looking at? Well, there's a bit of an injury cloud around Saad, so I'm going to steer clear. Sicily, I'm a little bit worried about. I think, what, what are the Giants... Kick. They kicked like 17 points or something, didn't they? They kicked the all the points. He, and he, he was, took one kick out. He, he was playing that that sort of key de, key position defense role that, that we don't love and that he tends to do sometimes when when the yeah. matchups rely on it. So, yeah, I yeah. think he is every chance of throwing in those those lower scores every now yeah. and then. So it would be Jack Sinclair for me at 546K, only owned by 7.5% of the comp at the moment, and he's averaging close to 100 at 988 uh, it looked like he was on for a big one uh, against the Pies. He was 70-odd at half time and only finished with 90. So um, he's got the Blues this week as well, who we dropped 150 on at Marvel last year. So I kind of like him as, a, as an option. Yeah, love that. Uh, Bandit, what about your what about your second option, the, the low ownership uh, guy that's maybe not on top of everyone's list, but that you think might be worthwhile uh, on the, in the defensive line? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm penciling in the OG Seagull. Jakey, Jakey Lloyd, he's back. Five games, is big oh, wow. Five games is a big enough sample size to pull the trigger. He is back. You're, yeah, you're a Lloyd truther, Bandit. You're a truther. I've, I've never met anyone that's uh, that's so in the Lloyd camp as you are at the moment. Talk me through it. What's what's the thinking? Oh, he's just he's just back to scoring really well. I'm not. I don't think I have a real reason for. It. I probably haven't dug into the data deep enough, but it just seems like the Swans halfbacks are all scoring really well at the moment. Nick Blakey scored. 150 on on the weekend. Lloyd scored 119. Um, yeah, they've just somehow found a system in which they can all coexist and, and score really well. Um, but yeah, so far Lloyd's averaging 106. Um, looks every bit a top eight defender if he can maintain that. So um, yeah, I think now's the time to, to jump on. I think his break even from memory is uh, 70 this week. So yeah. If yeah. he if he hits that average again of 106, um, he's going to go up in price a fair bit. What I what I love about Jake Lloyd and has have always loved about him as a super coach prospect is just the consistency. And he's had one score of 93 this year, and all the rest have been in that 100 to 120 range. So you, you always know what you're going to get out of him. I thought I thought those days had gone, but I like it a lot. Uh, Nico, what about let's go with your rogue option in defence? Who have you got for me that that's extremely rogue? Uh, in defence, I have not. Uh, got anyone to be honest because i thought we were doing one in each like <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, got, yeah. I've got one who have you got who have you got for me about it more rogue than jake Lloyd. i'll carry this podcast uh <laughs> the one for me was uh was cal wilkie in in defense oh yeah um, that's, that's very very achieve uh, attainable i should say still uh, in terms of price i think he's just over 500k at the moment but his break even is rock bottom this week it's 18 um, so if he maintains his uh, ton run, which is at three now, uh, three tons in a row he scored, um, he looks like he's going to absolutely skyrocket in price over the next sort of two or three weeks. So if you want to get real fruity, he's uh, he's the one. In 0.4% of teams, uh, potentially the best uh, the best intercept mark, contested mark in the competition at the moment. He's uh, He's been absolutely excellent. Another one of those captain picks that I didn't, didn't understand in the preseason, but again, the egg is all over my face, so it shows what I know about AFL. He's the kind of player that seems to get the that Ross Lyon seems to get the best out of, like those sort of very true, those sort of solid citizens that become really good players under Zach, under really Zach good Fisher. Coach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nico, what about for your rogue option in the midfield? So we've already got your your mid. He's shaking his head at me again. <laughs> we'll, go we'll go straight to you. We'll go straight to you again, Banner. <laughs> Who's the obvious upgrade target for you in your midfield? Uh, yeah, I think we've we've touched on him a number of times, but yeah, took took Miller as uh, the obvious upgrade for me this week. His break even is still reasonably high at one hundred and twelve, but uh, he's averaging more than that at the moment currently, so it looks like he's um, somewhere near his bottom price. And um, yeah, it's time to time to jump on. 
Sorry, Eddie, I've, I missed the uh, the memo here. And, no, and Nico. I, I missed from each position uh, on the run sheet, unfortunately, mate. So that's all right, Nico. I'll, me and Dan will just pot away. You, you just you pot away in the background over there. <laughs> um, while, you, while you frantically look through the ownership stats. Exactly. Well, the Supercoach website's not working for me either. Well, not- I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you straight away who my who my fruity rogue option is in the midfield, and, and it's Caleb Sarong. He's in 2.8 percent of teams. Um, we have mentioned him previously on this pod. I think I mentioned him, and you guys shouted me down uh, as actual mm-hmm. fact. Uh, he's gone since he's 70 in round one. He's gone 101, 146, 100, 146. Uh, and Grant, he's played North, West Coast, and Gold Coast in that run. So not exactly lighting the world on fire in terms of teams that he's played, but I'm a I'm a huge Sarong believer. Bandit, are you with me? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I think as as we touched on off the top, um, Brayshaw's regression has led to a uh, Sarong progression. So, uh, yeah, I think this breakout looks looks every bit legit. We've got five games under our belt. That's a pretty good sample size. So, um, yeah, if you if you like Sarong, then yeah, there's no reason why you couldn't pull the trigger. I'm back, baby. Jordan Dugowie in the midfield. So if he's Ugh. surely over his gastro, he's he's averaging 110, yeah. and he'll be back to have a big one on Anzac Day. No question about it yeah i don't know about that nick i'd almost prefer scott pendlebury over him at this point pendles is pendles has also looked pretty decent to start the year i might have to play him in the yeah. rock this week have they got any tolls left collingwood no we're struggling we're still finding a way to win though so oh here we go um last line i want to get to is the forward line boys so this is where i'm making an upgrade this week so i'm extremely keen to hear what you guys have for me Bandit, in terms of the the guy that you're missing in your forward line currently that, that you sort of wish you'd started with that's in a lot of teams, uh, what am I going for there for my obvious upgrade? Sorry, just one more in the mids that I was very keen to just give a mention to. My fruity one is uh, Dangerfield. Huge, huge wow. pop move. Break even 54. Cats play nine of their last 18 games at Cat Park down in Geelong. Only four more interstate trips. Uh, they need to keep winning because they've had a slow start. Uh, huge, huge pod move if he puts on uh, a string of games, he could seriously catch fire. Yeah, I want to put Darcy Parrish in here as well. 2% of teams, loves the big stage, and uh, priced at 550k. It's quite juicy. He did have about 500 possessions on Anzac Day last year, so I don't mind that one either, Nico. Uh, It was was amazing. Uh, Nico, in terms of obvious forward line upgrades, uh, where are we looking to here? Yeah, so I've mentioned... Uh, in previous podcasts, and I'm pretty stacked in the forward line. So the only one that really jumps out at me who is probably going to finish in, in the top six is Jeremy Cameron um, yeah. with a, uh, an average of 116 uh, and priced at 565, which is still quite attainable. Um, and he's in 10.7% uh, of teams, just playing really, really good footy. Fun to watch. We've spoken about him. He's a fun pick. Um, we've touched on, uh, Band has touched on the Cats playing at the Cattery again. And um, yeah, he'll he'll dominate some teams down there for sure. He's probably going to be the obvious upgrade for a lot of teams. I think he's now in eleven percent of teams. Um, and given that we really haven't had that many forward line standouts to start the year, I think uh, he's probably the main one. Um, Bandit, any anyone else you want to throw in the mixer there? Uh, Cogs is the obvious one for for me this week. Um, break even of one hundred and eight. So um, you know he's probably somewhere near his, his bottom price, particularly with Tom Green out. I think he'll put up a, a good score this week. Um, his role has been super consistent. That hasn't changed at all. He's attending pretty much 80% of, of CBAs every week um, under the new coach there. So, um, yeah, he's probably the the obvious one for, for me, and he's pretty cheap as well compared to some of the other guys that we've um, that we've discussed. Um, the pod one for me was Zach Butters. Um, huge score on the weekend yep. against the Bulldogs. Last two weeks, he's had over 60% CBAs, which is a big jump from where he was previously. Um, maybe that shoulder issue that he had in the preseason is is behind him, and they're and they're starting to integrate him back into the back into the centre bounces as a result of that. So he's um, he's a pod move for me this week. He had one of those games on the weekend that makes you go, "Oh my god!" Is Zach Butters one of the best players in the AFL? And he seems to he's had a few over the last couple of years, and God, he looks good when he's on, doesn't he, Nico? Yeah, he's um he's so good. But obviously, you know, he's we know uh, from past experience that he's won, you know big bump away from having a rib injury or something like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm still cautious with him. What about with your rogue option, Nico? What have you got for me there? Um, the rogue one for the forward line, like Liam Liam Baker, maybe might, like, I mean, he's in 9.4% of teams, but he's averaging 113 in the last three rounds and going at 104 overall. So I think, you know, if you're, if you're quite the risky player, you could, you could go that way. Um, I don't trust it. Yeah, look, I probably don't trust it either, to be honest. The other one, maybe Rogue Rogue, would be someone like Charlie Dixon, who um, is probably going to play a, a bit more ruck time 
like Lysette seems to be. I don't know if it was just the conditions or, or what on the weekend, but subbed out early. Maybe he's going to be out of favour. Um, he could be at 0.5% of teams, a little sneaky. Oh, it's my uh, my rogue one. I think that's I've got one that's even rogue. I've got a vested interest in this guy because he's in my in my draft team. But uh, Josh Rochelle at the Crows um, looks like he's, yeah, love it. He's definitely taking the next step. He's playing a legit forward slash midfield mix. I think he had fifty percent or thereabouts CBAs on on the weekend. Um, just playing a really nice role and obviously playing in a in a good team at the moment helps too. So um, yeah, he looks like a, a serious footballer in just what is his second year, I think it is. So um, yeah, he's definitely a a very cheap option if you're looking to go really, uh, really left field. Yeah, there's a couple of other guys that I'll just quickly mention as well. Tom Hawkins, he's only in 1% of teams, obviously dropped the 150 on the weekend, got games at home. He'll probably miss a couple, um, so he'll probably stay away there. But Tom Papley is another one that, that intrigues me, 140 on the weekend, and he's back in the CBA. So mm. could be could be a sneaky chance if you want someone really exotic. Dylan Moore was the only one I had on my list. Uh, the boy, the boy that burnt me last year, but he's been really consistent to start this year with uh, a low score of seventy three, higher of one three one. Ben, he's probably one of those guys that gets squeezed out of the midfield when Will Day gets back, doesn't he? Um, well, he scored well with Day in the team before. Um, it looks like they were playing him forward in the first couple of weeks of the season. I was a bit concerned that he wasn't attending any CBAs um, early on, but it looks like they've sort of integrated him back into that mix now. He's actually playing. Pretty decent footy, so um, maybe Mitchell sort of come around to the idea that putting your good players around the footy is uh, is the way to go. So um, yeah, he's he's definitely not the worst option, that's for sure. Now, if you're a listener out there and you you want to get some thoughts on your upgrades or your downgrades, uh, can I give you a bit of a spruik for the SC Playbook subscription package? So um, for $50, you get access to the full SC Playbook package, which is NRL, AFL, BBL content for the next 12 months. If you're only interested in the AFL, that's 30 bucks for the season. Now, what that gets you is extra premium articles every week, access to our major unlimited group prize. But the major major, uh, carrot for joining the SC Playbook subscription is access to our exclusive WhatsApp chat. where you get to have weekly Q&As with contributors and the SC Playbook community. Uh, we're all in there answering questions a lot. Nico, you and I are, are active all the time in there, chatting a bit of shit and um, having a good time. So if you do need some help in your team, I think that's that's genuinely the, guess, the best place to get it. Uh, it's a really good community in there. Uh, in terms of the unlimited group prize, it's $500 for the top prize for the top-ranked subscriber to knock off our team. And if a non-subscriber wins, it will split $250 each between the winner and the runner-up. If you haven't joined that group yet, the code is 345511. Boys, I want to get a little a little um, snippet of where you guys are at this week, how your teams are looking, what your plans are. Um, I've mentioned my sort of downgrade, upgrade stuff uh, already in this pod, so I won't rehash that. But Nico, where are you leaning this week in terms of trades? Yeah, so I think I'm... You mentioned it earlier, the, the two-down-one-up strategy I think I'm going to be boosting this week. Um, so my early thoughts are uh, Jinby, Baker, and Caminiti out for Roberts, Johnson, and Parrish. Yep. Um, so we'll see if that changes during the week. Love it. Bandit, what about you? Yeah, thinking similar. Um, I'll definitely do a double downgrade this week. I actually did a double up last week, so I bought in Stuart and took uh, last week, which paid off uh, very nicely with both of those. Both of those two going well. Um, but, yeah, I think Jinby and McKenzie out for me this week um, to probably Roberts and Johnson, provided they're both named in in the starting 22 and, and aren't the subs. Um, the upgrade is one that I'm still tossing up. Um, Canelio looks like a you know pretty easy selection at 570-odd K, but the, the real left-field one I was toying with um, was the idea of uh, chopping Jacob Hopper early and jumping on Clayton mm. Oliver. Um Mm. I do have the funds if I do a double down to go hop it at Oliver, but I think having slept on it last night, I'll just wait a week on that and maybe just do the, the, two, the two down this week and then go bang hop it at Oliver uh, next week because Oliver's got to break even about 160, I think. So he won't get, you know, he, he won't get any more expensive than what he is now. In fact, he'll probably be a little bit cheaper and Hopper's got to break even, I think, of 45 or something. So uh, yeah. might have done it now, Bandit. He's going to drop a 180 for sure. Yeah, you've, you've absolutely gone and done it, Bandit, for God's sake. <laughs> sorry, sorry to all the non-owners out there, including me. Um, that is a very tempting option, though. And, yeah, I, I like Nico. I'm doing. I'm currently planning to do the double, one, double down, one up. So I'm going Mackenzie Baker to Roberts Williams uh, and going then Menzi up to either Zebel or Cornelio in the forward line. I haven't really decided yet. But that hopper, that hopper little choice you've given us there, Bandit, is a, is a nice one. I don't mind that. 
at all. In terms of captains, Nico, you seem to nail your captains uh, last year in the, the sort of top 1% of captain nailers. Uh, what have you got for us this week? Uh, I don't mind the look of Bont as uh, vice-captain in the first game on Friday night. So uh, he's got a pretty good record at Optus. He dropped a, a 149 there a couple of years ago. And I'm kind of riding the Adelaide wave, I think. So either Laird or Dawson for the backup option as captain. That's exactly what I'm going for. What about you, Bandit? Yeah, a little bit tricky this week because um, my permaloop um, Madden in the Rucks plays on Saturday Twilight, so um, probably have to jump on one of the Bulldogs boys uh, on Friday night. So it'll either be Bontempelli or, or English. Um, they're both they both look like pretty safe um, options at this point. Um, and then one of the Adelaide boys as well makes makes a lot of sense either Dawson or. Or Laird, pick your poison there. Um, and then the other one that stands out to me as well is um, is Took Miller as well for those who are on him or are about to tra- are about to trade him in. Uh, he's got a very good record against North. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for the uh, the captain's article later in the week, and we'll uh, we'll cover all that off. Does any midfielder not have a good record against North of late? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Sean Darcy against Tim English on Friday. Yeah, that'll be a great Shall battle. That's going to be fascinating. Uh, yeah, obviously, Sean Darcy been just excellent over the last couple of weeks after we uh, we slagged him off a fair bit in the uh, in recent times. Uh, now, boys, uh, for each round of the season, we're going to be producing an SC Playbook special market of our own through Better. Um, we're extremely excited that we've now got access to integrating official AFL fantasy markets on Better, which is just, just brilliant. And we actually got up last week. Yeah. Uh, Charlie's pick for the multi was Crows and Port win into Laird and Rosie, 210-plus AFL fantasy points. That was play- paying a lovely little five. Um, to follow along with our bet for this week, which uh, isn't up just yet, but will be very soon. Um, you can find the link to the market in any of our articles at scplaybook.com.au. We'll give that a spruik as well this week. I'm sure there's going to be some people wanting to follow along what, what we go with, uh, given the success of last week. Nico, is there anything immediately on, on better that springs to mind for you this week? Yeah, a couple of outsiders that caught my eye were the... I'll- quite fancy the, the dogs um, as outsiders against Frio. I think Frio are actually going pretty poorly uh, and they might get um, shown up uh, at home. And I don't mind the Saints to, to knock Carlham over as well. I think Carlham are not exactly setting the world on fire either. So, yeah, maybe taking those two outsiders at the 1-39 to 39 bracket. I like that a lot. I think uh, enjoy accord with your reasoning on both of those fronts, Nico. I think you're bang on. Bandit, uh, what have you got for us on better? I agree with Nico on the... On the dogs' call, I think Freo are really battling at the moment. The fact that they only just beat Gold Coast probably tells you all you need to know about how they're how they're travelling. Um, I've gone for Sydney uh, to knock over Geelong. I'm really keen on the Swans this week. Um, they've beaten Ooh, wow. the Cats three of the last four times they've played at Cadinia Park, um, and I think the Swans are in much better nick at the moment than than Geelong are, um, albeit that they are a few soldiers down at the moment, the Swans, but they should hopefully get Rampy back and one or potentially both of, of, of them cartons, hopefully. So, um, yeah, either the win $2.50 or the very generous line, I thought, of uh, 11.5 uh, points, which is $1.90 or 1 to 39 points. I'm, I'm happy with either, with any of those. So, yeah, very keen on the Swans to, to pull off another win at, um, at Cat Park this week. Love it. Now, as we mentioned, to follow along with our SC Playbook market that we do get up, um, it will be up tomorrow morning at the latest. You can follow the find the link to the market in any of our articles at scplaybook.com.au or in our YouTube description. By going through these channels, it'll let better know that we sent you. So it would be much appreciated if you are linking up a new account. Um, it's important to remember that you win some, but you lose more. For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Any final thoughts from you this week, Nico? Um, you excited for Vegas? Very excited for Vegas. I've started packing. I don't know if you can see that behind me, but um, yeah, no, looking forward to that extremely. What's the uh, game plan? Talk me through it. Oh, look, I'm not exactly sure, to be honest. So my sister gets married the, the second day that I'm there. Um, so I think the first day might just be a little bit of acclimatizing and maybe checking out um, Caesars or, or something like that, the Bellagio and... Yeah, see if I try my luck on the slots. Absolutely love it. One of the great places on Earth, Las Vegas. Uh, ben, any final thoughts from you for this uh, as we lead into this round six of the AFL season? Oh, I'm looking forward to uh, watching the Hangover Nico edition. That'll be that'll be interesting. <laughs> Just cleaning out a few casinos and then ending up on a rooftop somewhere. 
Uh, Tied up on a rooftop, yeah. No, nah, no, no final <laughs> thoughts really. Straight into into local footy for me this week after missing last week. So pretty keen to, to get right. stuck in with um with the footy club there, and uh, yeah, hopefully have another big score in uh, in Supercoach that are just about to me, I reckon. Nico, if you go through the weekend without making a, a horrific Supercoach mistake, like a, a vice captain loop or something, um, you haven't gone hard enough. All right. Uh, well, it'll be it'll be next weekend when I'm flying back. So I think yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? Might, might be chasing Supercoach be... scores midair or something. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to be able to uh, to work. So I might just have to see how the wind blows next weekend. So this weekend should be fine because I'll leave Monday morning. So. Love it. Well, uh, I'll be at Anzac Day on, on Tuesday to watch the Pies Collingwood. So very excited about that. Um, but we'll check in with the SC Playbook community uh, throughout the week. So thank you, boys, for your time. Uh, really appreciate it on a Monday night. And uh, yeah, go the Pies, Nico, or go the Dons. Go Pies. <laughs>